Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels. Welcome to my podcast. Today I want to talk about mental game, tie downs, and different turning styles. I've already watched two go-arounds of the NFR and it's really got me inspired to talk about a few things that are on my mind. Um, First of all, when you're going to an event like a state show or a world show or an NFR with 10 go-arounds, mental game really plays a huge part of it. Um, Maybe if you're going to a futurity or derby or something that you have a one and done and you, you know, or your finals for your end of the year for your state, um, your district or something, a buckle series or a MBHA district or whatever, and you're going for a saddle or something, your mental game can really get all mangled and scattered and you can start overthinking. So what I did when I was going for something in the early years, in the 90s, I remember hitting a barrel. I had a good lead and all I had to do is have a clean pattern and I won a saddle. But instead I changed my mindset and did a couple things different in my run and I hit a barrel and I lost the saddle. Ended up winning the buckle instead. I was so mad at myself and that was a lesson that I'll never forget. So with that said, every time I would get to a year-end show or a three-day show or anything like that, I wouldn't let my mind make me change things. You know, if you're doing a small thing to tweak, that's one thing, but to totally change something up differently or put added pressure on you and your horse, the best way to handle your metal game, for me anyways, was um, to pay attention to the detail long before you get to that special show. Did you need to go to the vet? Did you need to have your chiropractor out? Did you need to do more um, preparing, um, schooling your horse a little bit at home, getting all your ducks in a row, knowing that they feel good, um, maybe going to a jackpot that was smaller to make sure your timing was ready and right. Um, All of those things will give you confidence and it will definitely allow you to be your best and um, just being prepared and riding in the moment on feel, not mechanical, and trusting your horse, trusting yourself, and the preparation that you have put in prior to this event that matters to you. You have to trust them. You have to let them do their job. You can't micromanage them. It'd be no difference than if you're a worker and sitting in your cubicle trying to do your job and your boss keeps coming by and saying, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Let me help you. It would drive you insane and you would never ever be able to do your thing and be your best because you're being micromanaged so much. So to me, you have to take off the trainer's cap, put on the jockey cap, which is a really hard thing to do if you're only competing once a week or twice a month. So that's why it is important, um, you know, that you get out there, that you keep going because you get your timing, you get your timing with speed in a competition environment because, you know, our horses definitely change a little bit from, they know the difference between a practice, um, even a jackpot versus a really loud, intense rodeo or super show with loud music, etc. So it is, those are all the things that help me prepare and not get in my head or overthink or change things up, but just trust the preparation and what I did at home and in jackpots and everything to get me to that point and just be there for my horse because they're looking to you as their leader to give them calm 
focus and confidence. So if you change things up for them, that makes it even harder. So with that said, now I want to talk about the different styles. Just watching the top three right now at the NFR, you've got um, Sister, who's very stiff rollback style and almost uh, V's or pivots behind her barrels, has her pocket behind the barrel. Then you have Mona um, with Brittany, who kind of gets that shoulder in tight and kind of bends around the barrel, but maybe a little bit lower in with the shoulder. And then you have... um, uh, Tiani's horse and um, showman's and he's this big strided more four-wheel drive almost does like an in and out to the barrels you know goes in wide comes out tight kind of bendy four-wheel drive around the barrel so all three of those styles completely different but all three are best in the world so um that makes me think about my training program. When I start training my horses, I train them all the same, whether it's my horses or training or clients' horses, they're all gonna learn the pattern the same. They're all gonna, I'm gonna want the same handles, same basics. I'm gonna want them to um, have buttons, you know, and, and they're all gonna learn the pattern the same. But over time, as you start hauling them and entering them, you're gonna start noticing if they have a certain style and if it's a winning style, if it's efficient, then you start letting them have it. Um, you can't make a horse be what you want it to be. I've known top ladies that would only ride one style and they would sell a horse if it didn't fit their riding. And for me as a trainer, I didn't have that luxury. I had to um, fold and mold into whatever the horse I was riding and tuning style was. So in a sense, I think it makes you a better rider. Um, you'll see someone like Sherry Servi jump on 10 different styles and went on 10 different styles. Um, to me, I think that makes you a better jockey or trainer if you can do that. I know um, when you're talking like Chrissy Peterson with Bozo, she would only ride Bozo because it meant that much between thousands of dollars, one tenth of a second, that she would just stick with him so her timing would be impeccable on him and didn't train anything over a slow lope at home so that her timing was perfect on Bozo all the years she went to the NFR. So so obviously you do what works for you, but I just think it's kind of cool, the process and the um, theories out there. I also noticed a couple changes in bridles um, and bits for this standard pattern versus what some of these ladies will run in in a small enclosed pin. So sometimes you'll do that. If you're on a little pattern, you might have less bridle. You might be in a O-ring snaffle or just a little side pull or, or something like that because the fences are gonna shut you down and you need to drive and push harder and you don't want to accidentally be too much on your horse. But then maybe they get really strong and really charging and get their motors rolling in the big standard pin where the barrels are nowhere near a fence. So you may want a little bit more bridle. So I've noticed some of those changes. Tiani is one. I've noticed she put a bonnet on her horse and um, in the first go and the second go where she normally does not have one on him in her other um, little tiny patterns. So um, it's interesting to watch the changes. Um, Am I a huge tie down fan? Not if it's for holes in your foundation, not if it's when you're just starting to train your horse. Um, I feel like tie downs and bonnets should be used in your advanced training by advanced riders for the right reasons, not because you have an unbroke um, horse that you're going too fast too soon on. So. With that said, I also don't like chain tie-downs. I don't like, you know, wire tie-downs. I like the flat leather. I like the nylon bonnets. Um, 
those are my preferences. The idea of a tie down or a bonnet is just to help those really strong uh, or, um, you know, bigger strided horses or even high headed horses just to get a little bit more collected and with less cues from the rider. So the rider can be lighter and let their equipment um, give the horse something to collect and balance on. I don't want my equipment to be something that they hit causes them pain and that's the reason why they backed off. So, but that's just me. You know, there are trainers out there that do things differently. I competed um, on my girls here, you know, in Florida, in the 1D, on Maggie, Belle, and Briscoe and Sister without tie downs. They had a lot of rate, a lot of turn, and they also had a lot of natural collection and they were lower headsetted horses. So I never felt the need for it. I did have two geldings that I would put a tie down on. Um, you know, one was a ex rope horse. So he actually was used to a rope tie down with a leather piece over it. I switched him to a flat leather eventually when I got him. And then I did try on a dash for cash horse, my Colorado days to put him in a a tie down. I really didn't think it helped him much personally. Um, but you know, you just have to try things sometimes and see if it does help or doesn't help. Um, but I ended up, you know, taking it off of him eventually as well. So, um, so, you know, you just kind of have to play with it. The rope horse actually was calmer and happier in his. It just gave him security. He was an ex-race horse, and for some reason he liked it. They gave him that balance, and he, he was just a calmer horse when he had his little tie-down on. So, again, it's an individual thing, and, um, you know, you got to look at what you're wanting to do. You know, you obviously want to be pinky light out there. You don't want to have to be getting in their face. So you want to have the equipment that allows you to do that. And, um, and that's where you just have to really know your horse and, um, know what works for them. Bits don't train horses. A bit of knowledge does. So just really spend time with your horse and really bits are more about just like boots and saddles. What fits the horse, what fits the rider and you both feel confident and comfortable in, you know, there's 200 choices out there. You just have to find what works for you. So thanks for tuning into my podcast. I hope you're enjoying the NFR as much as I am. And good luck to everybody competing this weekend. I'll be doing lessons and um, and hopefully riding my horses too. And um, as always, ride with heart. And thanks for tuning in.